social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. This portion of our program on this Tuesday is brought to you by R.E. Coogan and Heating. It's Coogie. Call them today, 401-732-6562. 401-732-6562. Heating, cooling, helpful, trustworthy, reliable, and also plumbing. It's R.E. Coogan and Heating. Look for them on Facebook. Call them right now as we're transitioning now. and looks like it's going to be a nice day from uh, really and spring i let's hope this is a beautiful spring we could use it 401-732-6562 it's coogie it's the coogie point give them a call helpful trustworthy reliable as coog says let us in your home don't fix it alone plumbing heating and cooling re coogan and heating well folks as always visit the website to petro.com uh com, which is brought to you by the coe sit in and if you'd like to reach me if you'd like to get a hold of me if you want to listen to some of the interviews we've done in the past it's all in a radio show it's all right there at the top of depetro.com brought to you by the coincident 226 coincident avenue in west warwick again i want to thank them they've been so supportive of our international efforts the coincident well i do want to touch on um locally you know it, it every time i hear you know governor mckee's decide to do this with the money and governor mckee's decide to do that with the money it, when you think about it on the base i get the whole element he was the lieutenant governor and Governor Raimondo left to join the Biden administration as a Commerce Secretary. But in, in so many different ways, he, he was just not ready, unfit. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday, and I, I, I don't think this is going to show up in the Democrat primary. But with Governor McKee, never forget, I was there. I have the video. He spoke at that Black Lives Matter anti-police rally in Barrington in September of 2020. And some of the things that were being said were outrageous, um, terrible. There were anarchists there. There were members of Antifa there. Of course, the rest of the media is not going to call him out on it. But we're going to call him out on it. And I would certainly hope that people would weigh that. Should he? I, I'm not convinced, you know, that he's going to emerge out of the primary. He's certainly trying to buy his way out of the primary. Uh, but Governor McKee, you know, they're going to be very selective where they put him. This FBI probe is real. But right now, I hope people are, like, number one, people are definitely engaged. And I think it's good that people are engaged on the local level, school board level. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities right now. People are upset with the direction the country's going. People are upset with the direction that the state is going. Right now, I, I just don't see where the Rhode Island leadership is is leading us in in the right direction. And, and part of that is, you know, Providence will not be turned around until Mayor Lorzer is out of there. I mean, that's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, the stuff that he speaks out about compared to the stuff that he's silent on, you know, there were four shooting, shootings over the weekend and they're silent, right? There's, there's terrible murders in the city. He doesn't say a word. And then a bunch of idiots with a Nazi flag are screaming through a window at communists. And Governor McKee takes the social media. Matos, Lieutenant Governor, takes the social media. Alorza, you know, they have a rat, all of that. Because these two ridiculous groups, as Justin Katz had said, was like total theater of uh, one group of neo-Nazis yelling through a window for two minutes at a group of communists reading Communist Manifesto on Camp Street. And then that gets their attention. Uh, but when there's hype, when all these murders and shooting and everything else taking place and no one even, you know, says anything. I will have an update, by the way, on the website on that uh, horrible stabbing at Water Place Park. I've learned more about it. I will be posting on that. And, folks, I want you to understand, you know, one can, uh, I can uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. You know, we will obviously cover very extensively the local elections. And then um, at the same time, you know, the entire world is talking about the situation in Ukraine. It's day 41. Uh, it is not getting better. It's getting worse. And what we're realizing now is, you know, Putin, as as I have said, listen, this isn't someone. He He's... He's the ultimate strongman. He is a gangster thug murderer. He does not negotiate. He doesn't. He feels that shows weakness. He thinks negotiation is weakness. He has no interest in negotiating. He has no interest in peace. He does not care. Um, as they learned that they were not going to be successful in winning, they decided to torture and murder people. They are slaughtering people. It is horrific to see. 
And all we keep hearing from the Biden administration is there may be more sanctions and maybe there should be a trial, which is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. We, are you going to subpoena him as if he's going to show up? It, it, it is a joke with the Russian soldiers. They have a pattern of doing this. They are war criminals, folks, people. And again, some of it is just so ghastly, but civilians, you know, hands tied behind their back and then still executed. And that mayor, they killed her. They killed the husband. They killed the son. And still you have people that are buying into all this propaganda. Um, Zelensky, it is a big day, him addressing the U.N., but I, I, they've just been so slow to try to give him the tools that he needs. And that's what it is. It's not like he's sitting back saying, okay, you know, come in and fight for me. Uh, we need a military. They're, they're willing to do that. They are fighting. But and instead, and keep in mind, by the way, um, Russian television. I want to just go through some one of the most disturbing things. This is Julia Davis. I keep hearing Russian a repeated prediction. There'll be more revelations about Bucha, which they keep calling fake. They know there'd be more revealed and are preparing the audience. So what they keep seeing is he claims the Ukrainians killed their own people, used actors to stage a fake production and blame Russia. The sad part about that are the amount of people that are going to actually believe that. It doesn't matter that the entire world has rallied around and shown these war crimes and just how outrageous this is. And they're, they're allowing it and, and genocide, you know, and then Biden get caught up on, well, I wouldn't say it's genocide. It's a war crime. I, I, I don't, the, the, we're, I'm looking for a moment where Biden is going to do something that I could say, Good. Okay. Now he's the U.S. president. Now he's doing something. Still waiting. The one time he did it was when he he screamed in Poland, and I was there. He the this man he cannot remain in office. Like finally he has come out and said it, and instead he walked it back. All right. Let's go to um, retired Colonel Steve Garnier discusses the war crimes in Bucha and what it tells us about the uh, Russian military. Just heard those reports from Mary and James. These reports of atrocities, a grim sign of what's to come. Yeah, uh, George, I, I think the atrocities are just uh, part of a larger failure uh, of Russian uh, leadership. The Russians have failed at the basics in this war. They failed at logistics, at maintenance, but leadership is really the key here. Leadership, uh, strong discipline, training, these are the only ways to prevent atrocities on the battlefield. On the other hand, we should not really think that Putin cares. Uh, it's been part of the Russian way of war, these atrocities, these war crimes, That's literally right. for generations. Yep. So they use the, these war crimes to intimidate the population populations yes. of the countries they invade and Putin unfortunately knows that his people nor he will likely be held accountable. That's right. Putin also knows that it's almost impossible to hold a sitting world leader accountable in a right. war crimes trial. Yes. Yeah, George, I don't think we should expect any kind of Nuremberg coming out of no. uh, out of this war. The best we could expect is some sort of trial at the Hague, the ICC. It'll take years. We may have some people that are indicted, but oh, nobody God. will be put on trial because Putin will protect his own people. Yep. So there is a ray of hope, I think, that these, this idea of crowdsourcing intelligence, that tens of thousands of people who've contributed with social media and satellite uh, imagery to put together this, the details and to document these atrocities, so in the short term, I don't think that we're going to get justice. But the good news is that the ability to document the future and the history of where this uh, uh, war has gone uh, will ensure that Putin can't erase what has happened. Steve. You know, it is it is and, and going on during Lent. Absolutely atrocious. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro show. This portion of the program is brought by Propane Plus. Call them today. 401 885-4209. Do you use propane? Call Propane Plus Heating and Cooling in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. Three generations fully committed. They're available to 24-7 service and delivery. They offer online billing. Schedule your service delivery at the click of a button. All customers receive a free safety inspection on the equipment. Automatic delivery can also save you money. Folks, Propane Plus. Call them today in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In a very customer-friendly, easy-to-navigate website, it's propaneplus.com. It, uh, it is unimaginable. Uh, let's go to, this is um, 
global outrage building. James Longman, he does a good job on the war crimes that have happened in Ukraine. Out cars when you get into town, it just gets so much worse. We've been speaking to people here, Ukrainians who are hunkered down in their buildings, hiding in their basements, as you as Russians were living in their buildings. Uh. Russia has says the crimes that we've seen here were staged. They were not. We have seen them. And just a warning to people at home: the images you're about to see are very distressing. Uh. This morning, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addressing the UN Security Council in the wake of the atrocities in Bucha. As Ukrainian forces retake ground in Ukraine, this town, just miles northwest of Kyiv, is revealing a glimpse of what will define this war. Because along with the devastation and the countless signs of Russian defeat, the bodies of civilians are being discovered, apparently executed in the streets. This victim, a grocery bag, just feet from where they fell. And this man, appearing to be out for a ride on his bicycle. Seemingly random acts of cruelty, hard to comprehend. <laughs> Authorities say more than 300 victims have been recovered so far. We meet Mikolaya alongside his neighbors, finally getting help. He takes us to graves behind his building, where he says he buried three of his friends, killed by the Russians. They were looking for anyone under 50, he says. I ask how old he is. He says 53. He says they lived underground while Russian troops occupied their homes. These are tears of relief, I say. Yes, he replies. Some bodies found in mass graves, but others that suggest more than the actions of out-of-control soldiers, the targeted assassinations of Russia's opponents. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five bodies in this tiny room in this basement where Ukrainians say people have been tortured. Russia has called these images fake, but these murders happened while the Russians were here. This town is now a crime scene. And more proof, the New York Times analyzing this satellite picture dated March 19, when the Russians were in control of the city. The image showing bodies on the street. Zelensky traveling to the area on Monday. This woman thanking him for, quote, staying with his people. The pain of this town all over the Ukrainian leader's face. These are war crimes and will be recognized by the world as genocide, he said. The White House confirming Russian forces are now retreating from Kyiv to Belarus, but warning Russia is likely to deploy tens of thousands of troops to Ukraine's east. Officials in the region urging residents to evacuate, even those who don't live on the front lines. In Odessa, families forced to separate a father torn from his children, those left behind with simple messages to their invaders. This banner says, Russian soldier, stop. How will you look your children in the eye? Now you can see here behind me, some of the aid is starting to arrive here at last. And I want to show you just up here. You saw me speaking there to Mikolaev. This is uh, his building. He was hunkered down in the basement there while Russians were living there. But the great fear here is that this is just the start. As Ukraine takes more and more land back, more and more atrocities might be discovered. Incredible reporting. And folks, I want to tell you just <clears throat> how difficult it would be to get to where he is. Now, the, that's James Longman. He's ABC. They they live there, you know, and I want to tell you the challenges of trying to navigate in a country like that, plus uh, having to go through checkpoints and the, the danger that is associated with this, the, the, the danger, just, you know, just as a side note, as you're watching some of the coverage and you see them walking on the street and so forth, what it took to get in there and establish relationships with the Ukrainian officials, Ukrainian military, you you heard he actually speaks Russian. Um, it was um, it it was. Uh, listen, I don't have to tell you anyone that saw the coverage. It's very very challenging. Plus, then when you're entering a war zone, now that they're pulling out of those regions, it is interesting, and they are welcoming the media to come in. But the challenge would be just getting there and and traveling through the country. Again, Ukraine is the size of Texas, but he said something in that report that I really found remarkable. The entire town is now a crime scene the entire town and it's not a a large town um i'm trying to think of maybe um a town obviously bigger than a central falls um i'm not sure if it'd be as big as as maybe it could be maybe could it be as big as the town of lincoln but where the uh the russian soldiers went in kicked the people out of their homes uh they were living there stealing everything sexually abusing all the children raping all the women killing any men that were there under the age of 50 torturing them they did have a list uh they from what we understand they had lists of people of where they lived they knew who lived in different parts of it and then you think of that man and i want you to just pause just for a moment and think of this he had to bury three of his friends and 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 
you know, he's burying them in the ground. It's not like then you make arrangements with the the uh, undertaker and or the funeral home and go. He he's physically digging the holes and then burying his friends, much like that woman. Let me actually just play. This is brutal. The woman that that um, she lived, she was living in Ukraine with her her son, and um, the Russians came in. And so this uh, nice young man that was living with his, his mom, it was just the two of them. I think she said she had him when she was 18 and they, they killed him. And then, and then she had to, had to bury him. And she said she, she basically wrapped him in carpet just so the dogs would not get at him. I mean, it is just so unimaginable what, what is, what these people are going through and, I'm not going to keep harping on the fact that that there are people actually still defending this. There will there will be people you watch, mark my words. There'll people who no, it's, it's listen. You know why? Because it's just easy to say that. It's just easy to say no. That's fake. You know, it, it doesn't even uh, matter. This is um, yeah. This is the piece. Jeremy Bowen, uh, who I met over there, BBC. L- listen to. I don't think it's that long. Listen, listen to this piece. The war is switching to the east. Both sides will learn lessons. The Russians left their armor vulnerable to drone, artillery, and fast-moving infantry with anti-tank weapons. You can see the results scattered across the roads and villages around the capital. This was a Russian supply column on the main highway that runs west from Kiev. The lorries were carrying ammunition. Artillery shells are scattered across the road. Russia will find logistics less challenging in the east, closer to its border. A few minutes further down the road in the village of Kalinivka were a few civilians, a rare sight, so we stopped. Irina Kostenko wanted to to talk about the 10th of March, the day the Russians killed her only son, Oleksiy. The two lived here just 500 meters from his job, changing tires at a garage. Irina led the way to her son's bedroom, damaged by shelling weeks after he was killed. We were the first outsiders she'd seen since the Russians left on Friday, and the story of Alexei's death spilled out. The pain is so bad. Now I'm all alone. My son was young, 27 years old. He wanted to stay alive. Oleksiy was born when Irina was 18. Her life has not been easy, but she dreads the future without him. She said he'd served in the army, but that day he was going to work at the garage. After they killed her son, she fled, and the Russian soldiers took over the house. And judging by the rubbish they left behind them, they were having a good time. Loads of bottles of vodka, Jack Daniels, Bell's whiskey, beer, you name it. It is hard to understand human behavior like this, but what makes it really tragic is that there are so many accounts of it happening where Russian soldiers have been and are now in Ukraine. On her own, Irina buried Alexei in the garden after she'd brought his body back from the road in a wheelbarrow. I covered the grave with a blanket to protect it from the dogs. He isn't in the coffin. I had to roll him in a carpet. Did you say to the Russians, why did you kill my son? They were in jeeps with guns. They killed him and fled. How can I talk to such morons? I want them dead. I want their children to lie like my son. Close to where Alexei was killed, opposite the house, Ukrainian troops were salvaging Russian ammunition to use it against them. They'll need it if Russia launches a spring offensive in the east. Five weeks of war, but it only takes a moment 
to destroy a family. <laughs> Irina found another picture of her son. This is my love, she said. My sweetheart. Jeremy Bowen, BBC News. I mean, what an unbelievable report. I want to repeat. She had to pick up the, her son's body, 27 years old, from the road, put him in a wheelbarrow, and then bury him in the garden of her home so the dogs wouldn't get at him. Folks, this is Putin. This is what they are doing. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like Isae, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health, because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, I want to get your thoughts on the Republican candidate for governor, Ashley Kuala. She announced last week that she was now, she's willing to put up, I think she she did put up 500000 half a million of her own money, and said basically she's willing and uh, to write a check, whatever it will be, in order for her to be competitive. It's kind of interesting because then that immediately dwarfed in, uh, that Helena Bonanno folks who supposedly, you know, at one point was making many millions per year. And she put up 100000 But what do you make of uh, your thought on the candidate for governor Republican side basically saying she's willing to step up and put up 500,000 of her own money. Well, it is interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm of two minds here. Uh, both of them, I guess, cynical, but she's, she's definitely coming on a lot stronger than I, I would have expected. You know, I, you, you kind of expect that the GOP is starving for a, a candidate. So somebody who's willing to put up a little bit of money and spend some time goes to the front of the line, especially some, you know, woman who's good for, for the messaging of the party in that regard. And she comes in with that pledge of a, a half a million and, and to, pledge to raise or, or loan or whatever as much money as it takes to be competitive she's she's out there she's pledging at least to be 24 7 100 full, full time on this job um which and she's you know out, out at all the republican meetings meeting them putting up selfies with with republicans in rhode island uh so she she's definitely jumped in in a strong way which is which is good. It just kind of makes you wonder, you know, what she's, what's her real goal, what she's after. And I mean, I guess there's a, I'm, I'm skeptical having lived here for so long, but I guess there's a chance that she, she thinks she's got a really good shot, but um, so far she's, she's doing well. I mean, if she, she responded, I thought, well, to Kathy Gregg, who tried to dig up and make some controversy over the fact that I guess she bought a boat in Florida or something, and she's having it, it brought up here. But so I'm not sure quite how that was a controversy, but uh, she responded in inviting Kathy Gregg to go fishing with her. So, so far, she's, she's a, a lot stronger candidate than I, I kind of expected, especially after months of, of being teased by the party. Hey, Justin, I'm curious if, if, if they reached out to you just what would be, you know, the people, they can't do, to me, you can't do 10. But I'm just curious uh, if there's, what, what would you advise for her, the, the top one or two, maybe even three, but what top one or two issues that, that you would suggest that in her, someone in her position should focus on that could, you know, help her get more support for a campaign, hopefully bring in some independent voters, maybe steal some Democrat voters that normally would vote Democrat, but go with her. 
just curious if, if you have in your mind those issues that you feel that if, if someone would embrace this, it would be a, a path for a very competitive race. Well, I, I think they're, they're really two. One of them is kind of specific and one broader, but the, the specific one is, is education and not in the Helena yeah. folks here. I'm, here's how I'm going to spend your money on education. In the real full-throated school choice, we need to fix this. We need to give parents an opportunity. Uh, in polling, I've seen over, and it's consistent over years and years, uh, the, the most similar groups for school choice are, are black Americans and conservative Republicans that those and people in Providence, they've got those ter- ter- terrible schools that yeah. nobody's responding to them. That's a, that's ripe for the picking. And the, the most diverse crowd I've ever seen uh, was, was when Republicans brought in a, a video, a movie about school choice in Cranston. Uh, the, the theater was full and it was, it was almost evenly split racially from what I remember. Uh, so that's, a, that's a real strong issue that we could start to cross lines, particularly after COVID has got to be even, even stronger. And particularly with Providence, the unions refusing to, to admit that they're, or well, admit that they've been dragging their heels and just the state refusing yeah. to push back enough to do anything. That is a big, big apple for the picking. And I also feel like maybe, and this is always where, you know, Rhode Island can often disappoint, but, a lot of the issues from COVID and just generally with the money, especially all the bonuses and all that kind of stuff. At some point, you know, somebody's got to be able to come forward with a political message and, and win saying, how, why are we letting this happen? <laughs> this is not difficult. Let's just be smart and let's take on all the sacred cows and the insiders and just push back on it. And I think those two combined would be, would be a very strong, strong campaign for a Republican. You know, that's an excellent point. It's also interesting, as I, I just want to pivot back just for a moment to Governor McKee, when he was going through his laundry list of things, and I, I'm putting up $250 million for school construction. I, I'm putting up $40 million for job training. You, you'd almost think it's his money. <laughs> I mean, this is all COVID money. It's all our money. But the way he was rattling it off, I mean, he just – otherwise, that would have been Ramundo doling out the, the money. I, I was almost – I was taken aback at that, that he almost acts like – God, you people are ungrateful. I'm, I'm taking your own money, and I'm deciding where I think it should go. And you have the nerve to question me, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, in that. And and when I see that, you know, uh, I think Speaker Sakachi suggested anyone has an idea what we should do with all this money, let me know. And then, you know, unsurprisingly, it's reached like twelve billion dollars. And oh, it's too bad we only have one billion. <laughs> Listen to me. We we elect leaders have a, a good handle on the pulse of what are the biggest needs. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's things, you know, that are maybe not the, the red shiny object or the, or, you know, the, the most uh, sexy type of item, but things like infrastructure or things like that, those are things that, that have to be done when they're not done. And then they fail, they affect, you know, the taxpayers, the general population, whether it be how, a lot of communities seem to lose power if the wind goes above 40 miles an hour or hmm. or, or different problems like that. But um, that was just striking to me that that the governor almost acts like, like, how dare you people question me when I'm doling out? I'm actually giving you your own money back. Yeah, you know, you raise a good point. And it's almost the same. It's, it's That's the typical political stance, right? You, you take people's money and, and get them to appreciate you for giving some of it back in some form that helps your friends out. But he's just so bad at hiding it. It's just it just becomes so obvious. I mean, I kind of want to play poker with him because he just I don't think he, he quite gets the game. But that's, that's it's, right. um, it's funny you mentioned Chikarchi and the, the, the list of of requests for that money when they first did that they said you could submit them suggestions and it was actually in a form of proposals you actually had to write out a little bit of a proposal so i did that in the name of anchor rising early on and it starts with a so it might still be near the top of the list if you go to that website but basically i i think what they should say is we're, we're putting everything into the infrastructure as you said we're we're gonna we're gonna make it so that more and more people don't have to have whole house generators because some the, the yeah. power goes out all the time we're gonna fix all the roads so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take all that money and then the couple of years you're going to be driving on the smoothest roads in the united states of america now that's the kind of thing they could do it's a it's an investment that doesn't build the money into your budget which is what they're right. doing it doesn't look like 
it doesn't look like corruption, like the, with all the, the bonuses they're giving out to this group and that group and the other. And, and I think that's, that's really where, and it doesn't take much decision, right? You don't have to have whole committees getting together. How should we put out this money? You know what? We'll just fix the roads. There you go. Boom. But it's just, you know, there's not enough, enough graft in that. They need to spread it around as much as they can. I know that uh, several years ago when we were, as you were saying, we a uh, succession of storms, the state kept losing power. One point, after Hurricane Sandy, I, I'm pretty sure that 80% of the state lost power. But, you know, the people started to question, well, how come the power line's on underground? And, of course, the answer they come up with, oh, it's too expensive to do that. This would be an opportunity in certain areas to truly have those power lines uh, running underground instead of, you know, every time a tree would blow over, it then crashes into the wires and takes it down. And it's, uh, you know, quite the cumbersome project where the national grid has to go out and all the trucks and then they have to wait till the wind mm-hmm. dies down and then they have to restore it. I mean, it would certainly seem certain key areas you want to be competitive. You have, you know, strong infrastructure for that type of thing. But I think it's it's just what you said, which is then, you know, if you're Governor McKee, you don't get that, you don't have the big uh, photo with the big check. You don't have the, you know, you can't go to the un- the laborers and say, hey, I gave you all that money for the school construction. So you don't get the votes and you don't get the, um, the fundraising. Uh, folks, we're going to take a quick break. A lot more politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor at AnchorRising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Of the John DePietro Show brought to you by Realtor Pat Elston. Call Pat today, 401 474 5253. There's a link right directly to her on the website, depetro.com. Caldwell Banker Realty, based in Cumberland, 20 years experience, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Pat services all of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Contact Pat Elston today, 401 401- 474-5253, and you can find her right on the website, dipetro.com. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate, 401-688-0517. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brothers Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal, 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Look for them on Facebook. Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven. Our segment is politics this week. Justin, a lot of pushback right now in Barrington. Uh, what's interesting to me about that is Barrington's one of those communities. Uh, it can be transient, but if someone moving in from the outside, that's a place that realtors like to, you know, recommend. Uh, regarded as good schools, uh, you know, nice town, uh, parts of it right along the water. But boy, they're, they're having a lot of problems with their, their school department, and it just seems to be a lot of friction within the town. I know now this pushback with the parents that it seems preposterous that Barrington has gotten rid of their honors courses. It does. And it's especially in the name of, of equity. It's, it's, I, I know there's, there's been noise in Barrington, but I'm almost, I'm surprised it hasn't been more. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised it, that's, that's its selling point. I mean, that's why people want to go to Barrington. It, it ought to be one of those, like a third rail. You know, if you start messing with our schools, you're out of office. We're going to storm your, your, your the school bill, administration building. But it's not that at all. It's, it's more just, yeah, we're a little disappointed in this. And the idea of it is it's also, I took some, a look into their argument for switching up and getting rid of honors. They're doing this, what they're calling Universal Design for Learning, UDL, and great, another acronym, CRT, UDL, SEL. Right social emotional learning all this stuff it, it's all just a big scam it's not even well well planned out or well put the documents they put out are all sloppy um and the, the idea is there oh, you know we're just going to put we're going to put every get rid of honors we're going to put all the kids in the classroom and they then they have the gall to turn around and go and so really even more people will have the opportunity to do honors level work you know it's just 
it, it doesn't pass a smell test. And yet in community after community in Rhode Island, Portsmouth is a big one too, which, with his, which has generally been thought to have good schools uh, they're, where they're just, they're going into the equity stuff and there's just no reason for it. And yet there's not a lot of pushback, which is uh, at least in my view, en- enough pushback to amount to compare with what they're actually doing, which is really starting to destroy some of the best school districts in our state, which you start to wonder if that's the point. Cause you know, one way to make people equal is to take all the people who are doing well down a few pegs. Yeah. And that, so that's, that's what I worry that they're actually doing is they're just pushing this through. It's, it's, it's really, it's really upsetting. I, I, I hope I, I well, I, I wish people were, were even more vocal out there. They ought to be. It also, um, as you know, as the, the parent of, of a child that was in the AP and the honors classes, it, um, when, when you eliminate those, it, it, it really hinders their ability to get into or be considered for some of the top schools because that's one of the things that they, they look for and they weigh it out. And, you know, certain communities, their AP classes and honors classes on, on certain subjects, um, the, the, the colleges are familiar with it. It's, it's weighted a certain way. They, they're, they're not doing any favors to the, to the students, but I think you're right, Justin. The question is if the Barrington parents and community are actually going to wake up and realize that some of the people in that town, that has actually become a kind of a, a woke town. At one point, you know, years ago, Barrington was, was even like a Republican town. But, boy, they, they have really been overrun by uh, progressives. They, they have the you know, big chapter there for Black Lives Matter. They have people in the town council that seem dedicated to that movement. And, um, and, and all you hear about right now is just a lot of strife in, uh, in Barrington. Yeah. And that's, you know, the, the progressives are, are pretty sly about that in, in Barrington, East Greenwich and down in South yep. County. They, they, they kind of move in, they, they talk a good game. They, they, they're motivated. They go door to door. And and I've been surprised at a number of, let's say the state legislators, they, it seems like their spouses are always somewhere involved in, in some national progressive movement or organization. That's right. uh, it, it's, it, it's almost as if they're, this big wave of funding that we saw yes. toward progressives in the past decade is is pushing this in in subtle and deliberate ways, and and people just aren't awake to the fact. And if you're, you would think eliminating honors programs would be one of those one of those wake up calls. And when you you know when kids start coming home, and as they are in other towns like Portsmouth and in South County, uh, coming home with surveys asking them about their you know third graders or less asking about their sexual preferences and their race. And you'd think parents would start to put their foot down, but I think so many of them are just, they're just kind of shocked. <laughs> you know, it's almost, it's almost hard to believe it's going on. And, and, and yet they, the pushes that you're not allowed to say anything suddenly, you know, transgenderism is, is the most important civil rights movement in a, in a, in a century, you know, and I think people are just, they're just, they're kind of dizzied from it all and, and just want it to go away. And so they're letting their schools be taken over by these, these ideologies. Folks, again, our segment is politics this week. Justin Katz, Brett Smiley, who had been the director of administration for Governor Raimondo, he um, <clears throat> famously in 2014, he was running for mayor of Providence his campaign was going nowhere. He was in third, and then he dropped out of the race, but at the same time, he endorsed, at the time, just Jorge Alorza, who then defeated Michael Solomon in the Democrat primary. Both Smiley and Alorza denied, when they had a joint press conference, that they had any type of deal between the two of them. But then shortly after Alorza uh, was elected and became mayor, he quickly hired Brett Smiley, who was then almost like his his vice mayor, because Tony Simon was the uh, chief of staff. He was only there about a year, and then uh, Governor Rundo picked him to be the director of administration. So uh, he got a lot of press. I'll give him that. And uh, he, he his profile was definitely raised during the pandemic. I even mocked that he would just stand there with no chair and, and wouldn't say anything. He would just stand there on stage. <laughs> with uh with governor Armando. but i'm just curious any thoughts you have on the smiley for mayor campaign that really kicked off uh, last week well I, what i found striking was his his big big emphasis on 
as if as if all he's going to do is come in and fix roads and make sure everything's working fine. And he he did that a little bit his first time around. He he was the guy almost like a, copying Elizabeth Warren uh, from Massachusetts. You know, he was the guy with all the plans. Oh, I have a plan to fix that. He had a commercial yeah. at the time popping up in weird places. I have a plan to fix that. And I you know I've never seen him in office actually do anything that would make me say, Oh, that's a Mr. Fix it kind of guy. You know, he's, he's just a, he's there, he's an insider. He's had some questionable real estate handlings in the, in the Brown area that seemed kind of strange when he was involved in the, in the city government, you know, he's just, he's just another insider, but he's a very far left progressive. And so he's coming out actually disclaiming some of Alorza's experiments. I think, for example, the, uh, the universal basic income kind of programs. And I, I mean, I guess some people will buy it, but nobody who's, who's been watching for very long should, I mean, he's, he's a progressive and that's, that's what he'll do. But I found striking, you know, you talk about fixing this, you know, make sure the, the, the trains are running on time, so to speak. Yeah. You know, how about, how about fixing gang violence? <laughs> that would be that would be an interesting thing for him to, yes. to say he's going to take on. We had what there are four shootings over the weekend this time, that's right. this time around. I mean, this this that's a topic that I need think needs to be spoken about. And if you're going to be the guy who's going to make things work in the city, you know, how about Providence College kids can can go out for for dinner, a late dinner, and not get beat up on the way back? I mean, that would be that's a good thing me. to fix. But there's nobody wants to talk about that because it's all just a all just a lie. They're not going to fix anything. He's not a Mister Fix It, but he'll he might it might help get him over the finish line, especially because I mean, Alors is in office, and when he was elected, that part of that was our our political system is not just not producing anybody better, uh, right. and he, there and so he may get in with the promise of of maybe trying to be a little better, but uh, it, in no way I, would I be optimistic about his outcomes. Uh, Brett Smiley was the one that uh, we used to kind of mock just because when there was terrible snow when uh, they, I think their first time when their first um, year in the administration of Alorza and he was the one that famously said you know maybe if you have a friend in the suburbs you could just go park your car there for a while um, just because the roads in Providence were so terrible and there was nowhere to park and they were not plowing properly he's claiming now you know, and we're going to, you know, we're, we're really going to plow the, the streets and, you know, and take it like these are these are basic government services that it shouldn't be a campaign pledge. But that's just how bad things have uh, have kind of fallen. Justin, are you surprised that in um, the CD2 race, I, I still don't really think it's heating up much, especially when you see around the country, a lot of the congressional races are really already um they're having debates and, you know, they're already highly, highly engaged. Uh, you would think with a huge international situation regarding that's going on right now, if anything, you put on the news, so much of it is, is international because of the war in Ukraine. And, um, and boy, you, you know, between uh, other than Seth Magazine, they're demonstrating where he's going for lunch that day. <laughs> he's, he seems to be the only one that's, that's fully really out there. Now, granted, I, had my eye off the ball a little bit but i'm not seeing any I, I mean you tell me differently but i'm not seeing a lot of initiatives right now coming out of the at least the republicans in the cd2 race no not a, there's not a whole lot of noise all around as you said there's the the magaziner tour uh, of the district yeah. he doesn't live in um just a good de la cruz has been out and getting a lot of good attention although you know she she announced so it's that kind similar kind of tone of uh, here i am and i'm going around talking to people uh i wonder if some of it is that they're they're all running it's running for an open seat right so yeah. um i mean if if so it's it's being run almost like a local race you know here here's how who i am in rhode island whereas if you know, if somebody were taking on Langevin or, or say Cicilline uh, as an incumbent, that then it, national issues would be a bigger deal because because you're you're going after somebody who handles national issues and they'd have a record on that. Um, so I think that's part of it. Might be the Republicans are just getting going, and they do have a primary, which is somewhat unusual in Rhode Island these days. Uh, so they're not quite taking hits at at the opposition like they would. So I mean, we may see more more of an upshot. But I, I agree. We we both kind of thought it was going to take a lot of the air out of the governor's race, um, and and it doesn't seem to be getting all that much air itself. At least yeah, if anything, it's wide open, and I'm surprised that someone who 
like would like to, you know, uh, maybe attempt to try to get some momentum going, wouldn't try to be like a little more engaged with it. What do you make of um, Kathy Gray of the Prime Minister's Journal broke the story about these bonuses at the convention center? As much as a lot of people might say, you know, they're not familiar with all the details and don't know all the specifics. One thing we do know is they the convention center was basically closed because they they were using it as the field hospital so there were no events um i again i don't know all the details but i i'm not sure uh what to make of that and then i guess there was some kind of confusion that supposedly someone said it came up at a vote then they found out that it wasn't even listed in in the agenda that's one of those times that kathy gregg is very good about you know paperwork and following up and discovering something like that but any thoughts on these bonuses that went out at the Rhode Island Convention Center? I'm not exactly sure what they would be for. Yeah, no, they, well, they called them <laughs> retention bonuses, oh, which, retention, as, we, as, we, as we've discussed, it, you know, the, these jobs don't need retention bonuses. No. Everybody wants them. The convention center is in some ways a favor mill for the, yeah. the powerful insiders. George Knees, right at the top of that, that whole right. thing. So this is where people send their their nephews and nieces for jobs, you know, they're, they're not looking for retention bonuses. And so it's kind of disgusting to be giving away bonuses up to $40,000 for, for something that was closed down. You know, they, as if, unless you're telling me they, they were furloughed and this, these bonuses are just sort of like to give them a little bit of back pay, then if they were getting full, full checks while their business was inoperable for a while, uh, you know, I granted some of them helped in the, the hospital, I guess, but you know, it just, it's just, you know, the more the money going around to the insiders and it, it gives a lie to a lot of, as we were talking about earlier, McKee, with the here's all the great things I'm doing with the money. Yeah. It, bonuses for, for insiders filters right down through the convention center to people who, who don't need retention bonuses, who weren't who weren't suffering uh, as the private sector did during the, the pandemic. And yet they're reaping the rewards. It's, it's exactly the kind of issue I was talking about that uh, that uh, Ashley Callas could could pull push on you know is when have you had enough Rhode Island you know we just need to fix this this isn't hard to fix we need to somebody to push back on all of this stuff and it, it's it's always disappointing when these stories get out and it it's almost like the reporters gotcha you know you gotta you get it for a week and oh good job Kathy and next week somebody else will get a different one similarly and yet we're all just as Rhode Islanders just not that's I guess we're kind of used to it and we're just don't not responding as we ought to the new uh, the new buzzword definitely is the whole retention bonus. So whoever came up with that, uh, it sounds like everyone else likes the way that sounds. <laughs> None of it made sense when you have judges with lifetime appointment to the bench, and yet somehow they needed a retention bonus. But I have a feeling that we haven't uh, heard the last of that's when when if somebody's in a pinch to just throw out well you know retention bonuses to try to keep the people folks. He is the <laughs> managing editor anchorrising.com. It is Justin Katz. Justin, great job as always. Uh, thank you for all your thoughts, and we will talk to you again. Thank you, John. Great to have you back in the, in the home state. Thank you very much. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best. And if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired, 401 272 3340. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Check out the website, dipietro.com. We have original, unique 
exclusive stories, videos, content, all our links to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's all right there. And that's also the best way to reach me. Log on at the website, depetero.com, depetro.com. Into Brood Awakenings and discovered the Brood difference. Two locations in Johnston, also in Cranston, Pontiac Avenue, and then also Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Brood Awakenings, they're local, fresh ingredients, cozy environment, great comfortable chairs, deli delicious breakfast sandwiches, lunch, great drinks and coffee, and plenty of room to spread out and meet people. I'll see you, and you'll discover the Brood difference at Brood Awakenings. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 .9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. Now, while you're there... Uh, there's a lot of exclusive stories. Folks, we cover stories the rest of the media ignores. It's real news, whether it's video that we're out at a crime or a protest or various things that are happening, plus other exclusive stories that we break. Log on at the website. That's also the best way to reach me, by the way. If you'd like to get in touch with me, just scroll down a little bit. You'll see a, a button that says Contact John. You can also support the program. You, you can also get some great merchandise in the shop right there at dipetro.com and it's all our links to social media whether it's facebook so you can watch facebook live or also twitter or youtube or instagram so take a minute and then also we have some great sponsors there as well it is a happening check it each day it's dipetro.com all your firearms ammunition accessories stop it and see the defender of the faith second amendment headquarters is competition shooting supplies located 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. See the owner, John Francis. You can call him at 401-727-1716. Now, remember also, if you want to sell some firearms, maybe you have a collection or there's just some that you don't use, you can also either sell them on consignment or sell them to John Francis. Stop it and see John Francis at Competition Shooting Supplies. 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. You can also look for them on Facebook. And he is always posting new inventory that he has in so whether it's firearms ammunition accessories stop in my gun guy competition shooting supplies 435 benefit street in Pawtucket. take the last exit in rhode island exit 2a drive past the attleboro train station and then right up at the light newport avenue and benefit street take the left i'll see you at competition shooting supplies propane plus for heating and cooling Call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401-885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances locations in east greenwich and also in rehoboth remember propane plus is energy for everyone it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and also now it's renewable online at propaneplus.com propane plus heating and cooling in massachusetts call the rehoboth office 508-252-3359 and in rhode island 401 885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus.